0: On the season finale next week, I'll be taking questions from you listeners, so please be sure to DM me at, at passingthroughpod or email me at info.nakaj at gmail.com. Don't be shy, girl, just slide in my DMs, and these questions will be answered. Anything regarding season one, I look forward to hearing from you. In this sixth episode of Passing Through, I talk about the first solo trip that I ever took, the incredible strangers I met along the way, and it showed me that a lot of us are trying to connect a part of ourselves to the whole. So, I hope you guys enjoy episode six of Passing Through, Utah. Okay, I'm lost. In the middle of nowhere, Arizona, on what looks like either a reservation or someone's personal property, I slowly twist the steering wheel, my left hand shading my eyes trying to spot a sign for Antelope Canyon. Lightly pumping the brakes, the car came to a complete stop in a clay-stained driveway, the desert earth painting everything red. A woman peered through the front window of an antique wooden ranch. Two gargantuan oak beams balanced a roof fringed with coral shackles. The house was encased by a huge porch, the kind that serves as a centerpiece for family functions. She scurried to the front, squinting, carefully studying my vehicle. I sat in my car looking at Google Maps, then the house, Google Maps, then the house, Google Maps, and now this woman approaching. This definitely wasn't it. A loose, smooth cotton shirt outlined her frame, a stark contrast to a face roughly embellished with wrinkles of wisdom. Frowning, she gestured for me to roll down my window with two tough hands the color and texture of distressed leather. Can I help you? She asked. Uh, I'm looking for Antelope Canyon. Is it, is it anywhere around here? I stuttered. Her look quickly waned from suspicion to irritation. This isn't it. This is my land. She said sternly. Okay, uh, thanks, I replied, swiftly rolling out my window and putting the car in reverse. I had no idea what I was thanking her for. Maybe I was thanking her for sparing my life, because her house was literally in the middle of nowhere a speck of dust amongst vast desert dunes. That porch was probably made of lost traveler bones, whittled, sanded, painted, then wrapped tightly around the house as a warning. I'd been pardoned by this mystical being, and I was thankful. A month prior to my Southwest excursion, I sat in my office stalking photos of Zion National Park, Horseshoe Bend, and Antelope Canyon, all places that looked interstellar, almost like a tangible Mars. I'd just returned from my first trip back to Cambodia in 13 years, and my love for photography was really taking shape. The trip broadened my palette of exploration, initiating an appetite for adventure that had to be fed. If five-year-olds were navigating the bustling streets of Phnom Penh with the confidence and poise of seasoned adults, I could captain my way through Vegas, then to Utah, then to Arizona. Who was going to come with me, though? I would take my boyfriend, but he's in a funk. Busy trying to find employment. My sister's in school, my friends are in school, my brother's working. I guess that leaves me, myself, and I. But I'd never taken a solo trip before. A knot of nervousness formed in my stomach, allowing my neurotic self to rattle off questions over my mind's PA system. Uh, self? Hello? Can you you hear me on this thing? What if we get lost? Kidnapped and turned into a lampshade. Sent to some makeshift jail in the middle of Utah. Attacked by wolves, pricked by something poisonous. What if our rental car breaks down in the desert and we die of thirst on the highway? Thankfully my inner voice of reason stepped in, grabbing my mind's mic, acting as an Alka-Seltzer to my anxiety. Hello? Hi. Those are all things that could happen even if you went with a friend. The chances are slim and be safe, not stupid. Keep your shit locked, gas in your tank, mace in your bag, and drive during the day. Use the internet, plan this shit out before you go. You're right, my neurotic self-agreed. I booked a ticket to Vegas, with a rental car included, the next day. I stopped by my parents' house the following morning to collect some clothes and shoes for the trip. I was greeted by my mom, leaning over the sink, washing dishes, pots and plates clinking, shiny soap bubbles ascending, then bursting as she rhythmically scrubbed. Hi, Nana, she said, smiling. I kissed her cheek and leaned against the kitchen island to inquire about her day. I'm going on a trip next week. I finally spit out 20 minutes later. Oh, really? Where are you going? Who are you going with? She asked, drying off her hands on a small checkered towel. I'm going by myself, I mumbled, assuming that she'd protest because I'm a young girl, safety, etc., etc. I'd already created a list of reasons why it was a good idea just in case she had a rebuttal. I think that's a great idea, she said, nodding. Wait, what did she just say? It's a great idea? It's a great idea to be taking a flight out west, renting a car, then driving through three states in one weekend without my boyfriend's siblings, or friends? I'd too soon forgotten that my mom, when my age, was traversing foreign lands in a language after escaping a genocide that killed a third of her country's population. She was one of the bravest, most independent women I knew. My expectations regarding her response were rooted in my perceptions of her as a mother, not as a person capable of complexity. Really? I asked, looking for some sort of explanation. It's important to go see the world, even by yourself, honey. You spend a lot of time with Cam, with your friends, take time to think somewhere else. Reflect on the past year, have fun, figure out what you want, and pray too, Nana. I kissed her goodbye and loaded my things into the car. When I pulled into my apartment parking lot, I took the key out of the ignition and sat thinking, how am I going to frame this to Cam? Is he going to think I'm distancing myself by taking a solo trip? How would you feel if you were him? My mom's voice interrupted my introspection. Take time to think. Somewhere else. I patiently waited behind an elderly couple at the Hertz rental car desk in Vegas. The next attendant signaled for me to come over. How can I help you? He asked. His hair jet black, generously gelled, and parted to one side. He donned a mustache and tattoos that screamed, This is just my day job, baby girl. I'm here to pick up my rental car. I made a reservation online. Okay, I'm just going to need your license, please, he continued. Where are you headed? I'm taking a little road trip from here to Utah, then Arizona, I said proudly. Oh, cool. My friend and I did that last summer. It's really, really beautiful. You're going to love it, he replied, finally breaking script and smiling. He handed me the keys and gave me directions to the parking lot. 30 minutes outside Vegas, the congestion cleared, and I was staring down an endless strip of highway surrounded by mountains perfectly placed on the desert skyline. Their centers airbrushed an ombre of mauve and apricot, serving as host to ornaments of little dark green spruce trees. I took the ox out of my bag and plugged in my phone. I'd been listening to the tail end of a Les Brown audio series that my dad recommended months prior, his deep, soulful voice strumming my pain with each syllable. If you put yourself in a position where you have to stretch outside of your comfort zone, you are forced to expand your consciousness. You can complain about the direction of your life all you want, but until you sit in the driver's seat and begin to drive yourself, you aren't going to get where you want to go. Okay, okay. Dang, Les, I hear you, I get it. I strategically switched to Drake when I saw the Welcome to Utah sign. His music immaculately matched the scenery. Utah seems like a place you could ugly cry in peace. The hotel was conveniently located on Sion National Park. I handed the park ranger $30 for a weekend pass and rolled into a real-life Narnia. I stopped 50 times, camera glued to palm, spotting beauty in every crevice and corner. The goddamn road was gorgeous. The road. A soft scarlet red with bright canary stripes separating two lanes. I felt myself looking around out of habit as if to apologize for the inconvenience caused by stopping to take a hundred photos. I didn't have a travel companion to tell me they were hungry, annoyed, or tired, that we were going to miss our dinner reservations, or that we should check in and then take pictures. This solo trip was going fucking great. After checking in, I popped the trunk, got my suitcase, and hauled my luggage up a flight of wooden stairs. My room was a handsome mini-suite equipped with an espresso machine, personal balcony, two fluffy blankets for stargazing, and a heaven-sent mattress set. I checked the time, quickly unpacked my things, and set out to catch a magical sunset to commence my first night in the park. To this day, I've never seen stars that vivid. Each fluorescent speck appeared painted by hand, all gleaming and glistening to their brightest potential, displaying no envy of their neighbor's light. I hit the road just before noon the following day, equipped with the physical map, phone charger, two bottles of water, and my camera bag, I was ready to explore some majestic-ass canyons and intergalactic rock formations. Halfway to Horseshoe Bend, I stopped to refuel at a signless gas station. Swiftly inserting my credit card, I tapped regular and waited. Strong winds whipped dust around my car, brushing a sizable tumbleweed across my ankle. This scene legit felt like an old western film or the season finale of Black Mirror. A tiny, unmanned attendance station sat to my left, and what looked like a museum stood about half a mile down the road. Before I could grab my receipt, I spotted a short, stocky, elderly gentleman walking my way, his stringy, salt-and-pepper beard covering a majority of his mouth. You know, that there road closes for a couple hours every day. You might want to stop by that museum to kill some time before it opens back up, he suggested. Really? Why did they close it? I questioned. Oh, just to regulate traffic and such. There's so many people going to and from the parks. I thanked the stocky gentleman and proceeded to the route anyway, hoping to call his bluff. I nearly nicked my forehead, ducking into the museum's boxy front door. Recognizing the familiar face of a begrudged visitor, the worker skipped the high and jumped to a, don't worry, the roads will be open in under two hours. I'm Sam, she stated, extending a warm handshake. A regal, lanky, brunette woman, her ears, neck, and fingers bedazzled with handmade turquoise jewelry. How she ended up in this dimly lit dungeon in the middle of nowhere, I don't know. After sluggishly perusing all two rooms and ten displays, and anxiously checking the time every fifteen minutes, Sam and I struck up conversation on my way out. How long has this place been open? I questioned. My ex-husband and I bought it when we were still married, obviously, then we got divorced. I didn't ask for anything except for this place, she said, her eyes combing the room. I used to be terrified of being alone, you know? It took me a while to be okay. It takes time and reflection to find your center. Go back to the stories that move you, things that inspired you, places that made you feel alive. Parts of you are still there, waiting to be collected and put back together. Wow, I replied, not knowing whether to offer up condolences or congratulations. I thanked Sam, closing the sandy black door behind me, not at all regretting meeting this remarkable woman during a random pit stop in the desert. It was almost 6 p.m. by the time I made it to the Antelope Canyon tour area. Three men sitting on plastic lounge chairs paused their conversation as they saw my car approaching. I hopped out, slightly disgruntled after accidentally driving onto some old woman's private property, and asked, is this where I can do the Antelope Canyon tours? They mumbled to one another in their native language, arguing who to pin my tour on. Get Landrick to do it, the eldest one said in English. Landrick, they yelled. A chubby, handsome, baby-faced man stumbled out of the back room. His name is Landrick, and he'll be doing your tour today, said the eldest one. Landrick looked up, smiling shyly. Okay, are, are you ready? Landrick asked. Yeah, whenever you are, I replied. Antelope Canyon was supernatural. Endless waves of orange engulfed you in a majestic maze. Landrick softly explained the origins of the canyon and his ancestors' role in protecting the reservation. I've had people break down and weep on tours, he said. They see something bigger than themselves in this canyon. It brings them to tears. I guess sometimes we need a reminder. All the tours had died down and we were the only two wandering around, taking pictures and asking about each other's stories. Landrick had moved to Chicago briefly after college and ended up coming home after three years. "'Why'd you decide to come back?' I asked. "'I'm not a city guy. I grew up with the stars. "'My family's here. "'I know people say when they get older "'they want to move as far away from home as possible. "'I thought the same thing, but I was wrong. "'My ancestors called me back.' "'I savored his words, studying a wide cluster of canyon grooves "'resembling angel's wings. "'I hadn't traveled back to Nigeria at that point, "'but my soul recognized the pull Landrick described.' Come on, I'll show you some of my favorite spots a couple miles from here. We can see them from the car, he said. Acres of purple mountains flashed past my window as Landrick narrated the scene from the driver's seat. This land means a lot to me and my family. There's only so many of us left. So do you feel pressure to even marry someone of the same tribe? I asked. Of course, Landrick asserted. My cousin got so much shit for marrying outside the tribe last year, unless he teaches his kids about our culture, about our language. We're another generation closer to being gone. I used to think it was stupid," he continued. But that's how culture disappears, one person at a time. People die and everything they know dies with them. I make a conscious effort to ask now, a conscious effort to remember. For a moment, I sat in the passenger's seat, silent watching the sky turn a milky magenta, decisively weaving Landrick's words into the fabric of my mind. He'd found the right relationship between himself and something larger than himself. This trip affirmed that even when traveling solo, you're never really alone. You're surrounded by people searching for parts of themselves that relate to the whole. They're passing through spaces, places, and experiences with people at the same time as us. Facing perpetual peaks, valleys, trials, tribulations, triumphs, and joys. That's the thing that connects us. The thing that makes us human. When I returned home, I turned the key to my apartment door, kissed Cam, and plopped my body on the couch. How was your trip? He asked. Wonderful, I replied, hoping he'd show more curiosity this time around. Cool. I missed you, girl. I'm going to run to the store real quick. A small tinge of guilt turned in my stomach the minute the door closed. I grabbed my bag, pulled out my laptop, and opened a web browser. It would be nice to take a trip with him, I thought. Jamaica? Hmm. No. St. Lucia? Hmm. Well, we both never been to Puerto Rico. My fingertips gently massaged my mouse as I scoured Travelocity.com. Thank you guys so much for listening to episode six of Passing Through the Podcast. You guys have been incredible throughout this entire process. If you like the podcast, please leave a rating, a review, a comment, subscribe. This has been such an incredible process. I appreciate each and every one of you for taking time of your day to listen to this.